The Lord be with you. I'm so glad that you can join us in this Bible study through the book of Romans, and I hope that you'll meet me in Romans chapter 8 as we look together at verses 5 to 11. 5 to 11. But before we read those verses, I want to pick up where we left off in verses 1 to 4. And there we saw how God, through Christ, has done the impossible, the unbelievable, in giving a not guilty verdict to guilty sinners like you and me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Unbelievable. For people like me and people like you, for God to say that, how could that be possible? It's all because of what Christ has done for us. For God did what the law, what God's righteous requirements could not do for us. God sent his own son to die for us, to absorb in his body the penalty for our sins. But I want us to look carefully at verse 4, because in verse 4 we're given the reason why God did that. It wasn't so that we could just have our ticket to heaven punched and then live however we want to live. God had a purpose, a reason behind giving sinners that gift in Christ Jesus. And it was in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Notice that little tiny preposition that we would just probably gloss over in reading this. In. Might be fully met in us. Notice he does not say met by us as though we do this. Rather, God sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that God's righteous law, God's righteous requirements, what God says is right, what God says is wrong, might be lived out in us, not just by us, but in us. And it shows us this truth, that God doesn't just give us the tools we need to obey him. God also gives us the fuel that we need to obey him. And that fuel, ultimately, is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. God gives us his very life, his very presence to enable us and empower us to obey him. And it's something that God had promised long ago in the prophets as we read in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will will be my people. And then again, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God doesn't just give us the tools. God doesn't just say, all right, here's a Bible. Here's how you pray. Here's some devotionals. Here's a church. Here's a small group. Now go live it out. No, God also gives us the fuel to help us obey and to empower us to obey him. 
how is that possible? Well, that's what we're reading about in Romans 8, verses 5 to 11. And I want to use the image of looking underneath the hood of a car to see how an engine runs. And I don't know very much about cars at all, but I got an education on car transmissions very recently. When our family was going on a camping trip to the mountains, and as soon as we started entering the high country, our car began to jerk. Every time it would shift gears, it would jerk. And I thought, oh no, our transmission's going out. We're looking at a very costly repair. This trip just got started. What in the world are we gonna do? Can we get around anywhere? And so I was able to make some contacts and do some networking. And in the providence of God, uh, he provided a very generous and gracious mechanic in the mountains. So gracious, in fact, that he agreed to meet me on the weekend when he normally does not work on weekends. He met me at his shop, uh, popped the hood of our car, took a look at the transmission, and uh, did some diagnostic work. We took a little ride so he could feel for himself. And the conclusion was your transmission isn't going bad, but in his words, it needs some love. And the love that he prescribed was a good flushing to not only add more transmission fluid, but to flush out the old fluid that was filled with contaminants and add new fluid. I think this is a, an apt illustration for thinking about what it means to live as a Christian. What it means to have God fuel our obedience. And it takes the form of what we read in these verses in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 11. We're in effect looking underneath the hood of the Christian life. We're seeing what drives us, what motivates us, what empowers us. So I invite you to read with me as we look at verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. The first thing we see here are two drastically different forms of fuel for our lives. One is the flesh, and the other is the Spirit, capital S. And by flesh, Paul means our human nature. Our human nature. That is infected and corrupted by sin. And we're plagued in that we sin by not submitting to God's law. We're all in rebellion against what God says is right and wrong left to ourselves, that's what we all do, and 
we can't obey it even when we want to obey it. Even when we, we know what is right and wrong and we try to do it, and we hate what is wrong and we love what is right, we still find ourselves trapped and unable by our own fuel and by our own power to obey what God says is right. That's our predicament. And so as long as we're in the flesh, then we desire what the flesh desires. But if we've been given the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, well then we can set our minds on what the Spirit desires. Well, what is the Holy Spirit? Well, when we ask the question that way, we've got to completely reframe the question. The right question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Not, what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. He is a person with all the marks of personality, with will and intelligence. And he works cooperatively in conjunction with the Father and the Son. He is co-eternal with the Father and the Son, and he possesses all of the perfections and all of the attributes of the Father and the Son. And it is vitally important for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does because it is the Holy Spirit who fuels our obedience as Christians. Left to ourselves, we may have all the tools. We have doctrine. We know what Christ did for us. We have the truth, but how does that truth then get applied to our lives? How does the work of Christ get applied to our lives? Well, this is where the Holy Spirit makes his work on full display for us to see and for us to know in our hearts and in our minds. And when Paul says to set our minds on what the flesh desires or what the spirit desires, he doesn't just mean how we think. He's talking about what you desire, what you want, what you love. And it's vitally important for us to understand this because so often human beings fancy ourselves as rational, independent, critical thinkers. We're thinking beings and we examine the options before us and we make a rational choice. We decide this. We decide what seems most plausible. When in reality, a lot, maybe even most, of what we think is more caught than it is taught. You get that distinction? A lot, maybe even most of what we think is more caught. That is, it's more about external factors than it is what we're taught. To put it another way, we usually think what we want to think. And so much what we think is driven by what we love. And so just telling somebody the truth and then saying, now you go and do likewise, often won't cut it. That won't cut it. And if you've ever wrestled with a particular temptation or a particular sin, you know that. You know you don't have the willpower. But, but the God who began a good work in you through the work of the Holy Spirit will bring that to completion if you belong to Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit will finish that work. He will give you the power. He will give you the strength to love and to desire what you should. 
As Augustine famously put it, we are what we love. And so we need to know that that setting our mind on the things of the Spirit is not just a matter of getting correct truth or just thinking correctly. It's a heart matter. And if you want to be pleasing to God, and if you want to be more obedient to God, it starts by loving God. And if you love God, then you're going to love what God loves. And you're going to want to act in ways that are consistent with the character of that God. They're two drastically different kinds of fuel. They set their minds on different things and they lead to different results. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. If your life is fueled by your flesh, by what seems good to you, but by what looks right to you in your own lights or what culture says to you or what the media says to you, well, that's just going to lead to death. Why? Because we're in the midst of a fallen world. We're sur- we are dead people surrounded by dying people. But the Spirit can give life and only the Spirit can give life and only the Spirit can give peace Peace with yourself, peace with your neighbor, peace with God. They're also different in that the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It is insubordinate to God. It doesn't obey God and it can't obey God. And as a result, it cannot please God. But the life that is governed by the Holy Spirit by the very presence and power and life of God in you and moving through you and changing you from the inside out. Well, who knows better what God wants? Who knows better what is pleasing to God than the Spirit of God? The Spirit that was at work through the earthly ministry of Jesus. The Spirit who is given to the Lord's church to continue to govern the church and guide God's church, that spirit can be alive and well in you. So when you open up the hood, so to speak, in your life, and you look inside, is there any evidence that you've had that spirit? If there's not, then what you need is more transmission fluid, so to speak. You need an infusion of the Spirit of Christ. You need God in you. And God's not off somewhere. God has come to us to meet us right where we are and to do for you and do for me what we could never do for ourselves. That's available to you right now. But it could be that you have known the Holy Spirit. And what you need is not a fresh infusion. What you need is a rekindling. There are contaminants that are built, building up and have built up in your, in your transmission system. And you need the Spirit of God to enliven you and to, to wake you up to those realities. 
and to transform you into the image of Jesus and to bring more of the fruit of the Spirit into your life and how you live. Which is it for you? Have you ever known the Spirit? Or have you, you look back at your life and you say, my whole life has been lived according to the flesh. I do as I please. I do what my parents told me to do. Whether good or bad, I do what the culture tells me to do. Or are you governed by the Spirit? Because in verses 9 to 11, we see that there are two drastically different capabilities of these different fuels. The fuel of the flesh is merely capable of giving temporal happiness. Sure, you can live a good and happy life, but it ends at the grave. Sure, you can make a lot of good memories. You can love your family. You can have good friends. You enjoy the bounty and, and, and the goodness of life in this world. But what happens when your life enters new terrain? Like when my car entered the high country and we were going through those mountains, my car wasn't used to driving on the mountains and, and that's part of why it was struggling to shift gears. You need to know that if your life is fueled by the flesh, the very best that you will experience in this life is the stuff of this world. It's good, but why settle for that when you can have the best? And you need to know that the fuel of the flesh will not prepare you adequately to face the variety of terrains that we face in this world. And right now, I don't know about you, but it seems like life is an uphill battle. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all kinds of uncertainty, in the midst of being unable to plan virtually anything, this is rough terrain. It's rough terrain for all of us. And if we're merely fueled by the flesh, our transmission is going to blow out any day. But if we are fueled by the Spirit, look at verse 11, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. If you belong to Christ, if Jesus is Lord of your life, if you believe that he died on the cross to make atonement for your sins, to spare you from the wrath of God, the just and holy and good wrath of God against sin. If you believe that, if you've received that gift, then the Holy Spirit is living in you. And if the Holy Spirit is living in you, then there is a power in you that is matchless, that is unrivaled to anything in this world. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Of all the miraculous things in the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, tops them all. And that power can be in you and in me. And that's a power that will enable you and will enable me to shift gears as we face that very terrain as we go uphill, as we go around curves, as we go into valleys, that's a power that will never, ever fail you. 
It doesn't ever need to be flushed out. It may need to be rekindled from time to time, absolutely. But if you've been given the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit for life. If you belong to Christ, then you belong to Christ for eternity. But the evidence of whether or not you belong to Christ is underneath the hood. What's motivating you? What's governing your life? What's driving you to make the decisions that you make, to think the way that you think? Are you fueled by the flesh? Or are you fueled by the Spirit? May the Spirit bring that message home to all of us and convict us where we need to be convicted and challenge us where we need to be challenged. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, as we face these trying days, as we pass through times and seasons that none of us could have foreseen, as we make difficult decisions, as we try to lift one another up and encourage one another, I praise you and I thank you that we don't have to do that using our own joy, using our own happiness, using our own fortitude, because you have given us the Holy Spirit. You have given us the Spirit who is powerful enough to transform sinners, sinners who are so guilty and so unworthy. You've given the Spirit to transform us into the image of Jesus, the Holy One, the Righteous One. Lord, I pray that we would be humbled by that truth and that we would receive your Spirit if we've never received the Spirit before. And if we have received the Spirit before, Lord, help us, help us to walk in step with the Spirit. Help us to desire what the Spirit desires and help us by His power to bear fruit for you. Fruit that brings you glory, that is for our good, and that exalts the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. We ask all these things in His holy and precious name. Amen. So glad that you could join us. I hope that you'll be able to join us again next week. And I pray for God's richest blessings on you 